isn't it difficult to listen uh, the sermon by the 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 what's it called the the transmitter, the receiver? But you know, um, try to instead of just listen, listening um, through the receiver, uh, try to listen through the revelation of God Himself. Do we have the translation version of the um, sermon of Zechariah in Chinese and English? Yes, no? You guys look better than yesterday, last night. Your facial expressions and yesterday, <laughs> your faces were dark. And gloomy. And I understand that it is not easy to follow the Soil Ministry. You, you guys have been, um, you guys went through such a tough uh, path, uh, even um, we can call it a path of, of death, a road of death. But now, finally, we, we are understanding, beginning to understand um, how glorious it is. Let's be seated, let's begin. And if we finish the sermon until chapter 2 today, tomorrow I'm expecting the sermon will be, um, would be, in, will be preached in an easier pace or a slower or very, you know, easy-going pace. So, one thing that you guys need to pray about is many pastors, many pastors um, interpreted about this eschatology. And of course, there are lots of um, nonsenses but but there are many pastors and servants of the Lord who translated and interpreted the eschatology quite well but the true um, true eschatology that God wants us to have at this end time the interpretation itself is also important but but more than that more than that um, in the in the near future what what kind of events God will fulfill and accomplish. This focus is very important. For example, who will be the Antichrist? Who will be this false prophet? And what, what kind of scenario will God have toward this uh, Armageddon and this, uh, this world war at the end? And uh, in, in these different nations, what kind of scenario does God have? Of course, we don't have to um, prophesy all different nation by nation, but um, you know we, we know these important uh, nations, right? America, Europe, Russia, India, China, and its Middle Eastern um, um, countries, and Sia and Sunnis in uh, Islam, and Turkey, and Israel, and about about the the um, 
conclusion and scenarios of these nations, we need to know these precisely. So, so interpretation itself is important, but but this, at this end time, what kind of um, prophetic events will be accomplished at the end? It is important. That that's more important. Why? Because we have to um, actually uh, enter into the spiritual warfare against these physical um, enemies. And at this end time, we need to understand what our job is, what our role is in this battle and in this war. And I said the, the headquarter of UN will be moved from uh, America to Europe. And you will soon see this event uh, happening. And for example, uh, it, 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 it's a history that has happened already. Uh, a prophecy about uh, prophecy about the reunification of Germany, East Germany and West Germany, and just like that. So in that aspect, um, us uh, integrating this eschatology is so important. And I always emphasize this. I always insist that I'm not a prophet. I'm an apostle, and this is job of. Uh, prophets. So that's the reason why I'm kind of um, hesitating. So all I need to do is just to interpret, not to um, prophesy. So I'm waiting for someone to uh, appear and, and prophesy. And And if there's someone who appears uh, that God is God is uh, really appointing, then I, I'm willing to meet that person, but God God is not showing the person yet. And all these ten years, I've been spreading out these these eschatologies uh, book by books. Now it's time to um, gather all those um, sermons as one and trying to you know, integrate all those eschatologies. So pray for me, so that at this end time. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how uh, it will be. And my calling is an apostle. So I'm not expecting God to make me cover all those uh, prophetic books. But if, if the anointing uh, is poured to me, I'm not sure uh, what will happen to me too. So uh, I need prayer of all Zoom ministry members for me. For example, let's say uh, I might prophesy uh, the Antichrist is Pastor Kim <laughs> down there. <laughs> well, that will never happen, so don't worry. <laughs> Antichrist will be someone who is tall. Yes, let's move on. So um, today, let's look at the second vision and the third vision that Zechariah saw. Yesterday, the first vision that Zechariah saw is directly uh, uh, is pointing out to the rebuilding of the Temple of Zerubbabel. And at the same time, Um, in the same timeline, Prophet Haggai also prophesied about this too. 
he prophesied about the, the building of the temple. And in our church, before uh, this year is over, we are trying to um, draw this blueprint and the uh, buying of the the schedule of the uh, the the what's it called? The, we are planning to buy buy those lands for for the building of the of the of the new temple. And we we don't have anywhere else to go. This place, this land, um, Xiung area is. We have been looking for this area for such a long time. And now we don't have, it's difficult for us to find a place to have a conferences, right? So that's the reason why we need to build, build a building. In order for, for the remnants to gather and have the meeting and the conferences. In order to train the remnants. I have not decided yet. Because, because God have not, He had not yet shown me the direct vision or the sign. But surely uh, we are in the process of gathering all the remnants around the world and we are fighting these battles of spiritual warfare against the enemies. And we are sure that we are uh, being victorious over them. But, but let's say if, if we lose to antichrist or something then what would we do we we must all uh, die as martyrs right but we we all want uh, the korean peninsula to become a a gathering place for the remnants to to all gather so we need to become wise and and authoritative against these and and for this conference our church we we made people to get visa and these, and these, these um, office in the airport, they they did not allow the foreigners to issue the visa not so easily. And we were planning to have one family from Aeri to come come into Korea. And now um, our church must have this authority to to. Um, What's it called? To, to appoint the president of South Korea in 2027, the next next president. Or, well, not directly that we we appoint that president, but someone who is influenced by us. And and the next generation for the reunification of South Korea to be raised, who are who are raised under under God. And in our church, we are all praying for this and we are preparing this. So we've been keep supporting this uh, university in Pyongyang, in North Korea. And we just uh, wired um, 30 million won to, to these, these uh, headmaster of the university. Anyways, uh, many things are in the process. And I've been keep talking about this, this large amount of money, so you guys think, oh, he's just making a joke. But I'm sure that you will repent for your unbelief.
And I ask because we need this money, and God、uh, promised us that He He knows that we need this. So, anyways, at this end time, at this、uh, end time, we need this construction, right? And we are calling all the remnants around the world to be gathered in our church, and they are all coming in. So we need this building. And this, this very first family from Haiti will come from from their country to Korea to to be prepared and be trained. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering how,、um, how the Haitians look. Do they look like、um, Dominicans? People from Dominican Republic. <laughs> so, apparently, people from ID <laughs> look, look look similar, like Pastor Philemo. Really. Okay. Anyways, so we are entering into such a tremendous, important season, right? And and we will see that every single day, these prophetic events will take place. Yesterday,、uh, someone from、um, among you who saw this vision of a wheel、um, going going around. None of you. Has anyone seen the vision? And through the the sermon of Zechariah, you you your vision will be open. So, anyways, let's move on. Yesterday, the first vision that Zechariah saw was about the recovery of the the restoration of Israel. Not only. Not only the Israel coming back to the land of Israel, but also the rebuilding of the temple. That's the restoration of Israel. And there are many reasons why these Jews wear wear these black garments. The one of the reasons why they are wearing the black garment is because they do not have temple. They cannot make the offering, so they cannot solve the issue of sin, and so they are. Uh, telling themselves, "I'm a sinner." That's the reason why they're wearing this black clothes. So the Israelites, they will surely build a new temple. And in chapter eight, there will be a prophecy about the third temple. And Israel is already prepared to build a new temple, the third temple. And even. Even they prepared,、um, they prepared these、uh, genes for the、uh, ox and cows to to be offered as a burnt offering. And they are、um, having this training in the wilderness, who have who are under the genealogy of Kohens, the the name of a priest. And when the Temple Mountain is opened. 
in my sense, I'm, I'm expecting them um, to build a new temple within three months because they're all prepared. All they need to do is just, uh, just, just, just construct and uh, you know, put them in, in, into one piece. And what's uh, great about the Israelites is they, they have this key to solve their sin. So surely they will build a new temple. So yesterday we <coughs> talked about this restoration of the Israel. And today, the second vision and uh, one of the main characteristics of the prophets is they prophesy about judgment and recovery judgment restoration judgment restoration and so so the second vision we even though we may not sure what the exact meaning of it but we can expect it as a judgment so a restoration of Israel would can be interpreted as a judgment to toward the people toward the world right And the end, end of the world, we can interpret it as salvation of children of God. And at the eschatology, we can see that the world cannot be mixed with with the church. But but the church churches are being corrupted and corrupted. They try to make themselves as churches that the world like. But never can a church be mixed with the world. And you guys have been to Israel. What's the greatness about the, the Israelites? Of course, there are not, there are many Jews who are not like that, but but they are trying, they are striving to be separated from the world. And as you see, the uh, the Gentile nations uh, more and more, more and more, they tend to not not uh, give birth to many babies. And the epitome of that case is South Korea, right? But look at Jews. Look at look at Israelites. They at, at least they give birth to like six or seven children. And my case, when I go to Israel, I cannot boast about how many babies I have, how many children I have. So, world in the world, they they only give birth to one child or two children. But Israelites. They have many children. Look at Yobang Church. We have so many children, right? So many new babies. So, not giving birth to many babies, you can think, oh, it's a, it's a worldly tendency. Of course, there are some of you who have this uh, health issue, so you cannot give birth to a baby, but, but unless you unless you have these issues. Uh, what's great about Deacon Bernie is that um, when he was blessed after a, a conference is that and he realized that he vasectomy? Um, he, he had the surgery not to, um, you know, be able to to become infertile, infertile to 
to give a birth, but after he uh, was blessed after a uh, conference, he went back to the hospital and got the surgery once again to give birth to a new baby, and then he gave his fourth, fourth child. And, and in their family, they gave the name um, Isaac to the fourth kid. And, and without letting me know about that name, they came to me to uh, name the baby. And without even knowing, I gave the name Isaac to their family too. So how, how amazing is this? So uh, restricting and limiting the life is against the Lord, rejecting the Lord. So in that case, we need to reject, we need to uh, repent. You, you, don't, you don't know how tremendous uh, servant of the Lord you might give birth to this third child or fourth child or fifth. But you only finished after second, second children. And you only wish the two to be great too. And the, and the seed of the righteous must be prosperous. And why did the kings back in the days had many wives? Why? Because the children of a king must be prosperous. And, and in the history of South Korea, um, there was this uh, king named Wangon in, in old Korea age dynasty. He used to have 80 children. I'm not telling you to get married many times. I'm telling you that the kings, the royal children must be prosperous and be abundant and grow in number. So, so it is inevitable for us to be great. And our, our young adults, we have many problems uh, to get married because the ratio of the male and female, we, <laughs> is not quite equivalent but but our high schoolers they have no issue of of selecting their husbands <laughs> and our church members we have very close relationship why <laughs> because because we don't know when and with whom i will be uh, related as a family <laughs> And many, many of our, our church members, they are like father-in-law, mother-in-law. <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you is that, so this is how different the Israelites are from this world. And if we are trying to... Um, uh, receive this worldly tendency then we, we must be aware <laughs> Michaela get married and, <laughs> and give birth to 8 children And we need to understand we are complete different beings from the world. And this worldly tendency, we should not receive a single drop of the influence of the world. So let's move on. Verse 18. Uh, here appears the uh, four horns and their, their roles. 
Then I looked up and there before me were four horns. And, and horns, in most cases, most stories of the Bible, they um, represent the authority. And in the word, in the language Hebrews, uh, the, the number four, it means, uh, it has a meaning of the world or, or authority or nations. In Revelations, um, it represents uh, four ways, which means all around the world. So here, four horns, it represents the authority of the world. So it's like uh, authorities of the kingdoms or great nations. Verse 19, I asked the angels who was speaking to me, and this was the angel who was interpreting the vision. And I said the prophets and uh, interpretation is different. So fundamentally, a vision, when a vision, the reason why the vision is uh, not being expanded or, or is being extracted is because the prophetic anointing is weak. And they do not have this um, spiritual gift of the wisdom who can interpret this. But if you if you have these two two uh, spiritual gifts, uh, the vision in the church will be expanding and expanding. And more than just watching the vision itself is important. And the true meaning of seeing and watching the vision is is uh, is a sign that the church is entering into a greater scale of glory. It's because spiritually you are being cheered by by the spirit as you see the visions. And just like Ezekiel, uh, you must uh, experience this uh, season that you, you see this continuous vision for like a month or a week. When I met the Lord 30 years ago, for about a year, I was living in, in the presence of the Lord and I, I felt like I'm floating above the cloud. And I experienced this one one season that God uh, unveiled all His revelation through the visions. And those of you who see the visions will have similar experience like me. And our sister Yumi, when she first saw so had this clairvoyance spiritual gift, she was not able to go out in the world for for a long time because because. Uh, she, her clairvoyance was overlapping the her physical vision, so she was not able to tell the difference between. She was not able to differentiate the the two visions. So, and and when I say uh, watching a vision, I'm not saying just watching a vision itself, but I'm telling I I'm focusing on entering into the new spiritual realm. So let's let's continue. It appears in in this text too. And Zechariah is asking the angels, what are these? And he said, he answered me, these are the horns that scattered uh, Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. So you can say Babylon, Persia, or Asia, 
these, these kind of nations and these authorities. Verse 20. And here appears four craftsmen. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. And these craftsmen, they are the ones who who can uh, handle these horns, who can take care of these horns. And because there are four horns, we have four craftsmen. And let's say if, it's, if the horn is Babylon, the craftsman will be someone who has authority over that Babylon, who, which is appointed by God. So in that sense, we must be joyful. Why? Because no matter how strong the, the enemies of, of the world, no matter how strong they are, the one who can take control over them is God alone. So when I am kind of uh, I'm lazy to do the spiritual warfare, I say these kind of things. Hey, you do your business. I will, I will win. I will be victorious at the end. So no matter what kind of works they do, what kind of works the enemies do, I don't care. It's only just um, uh, irritating the sleeping lion's beard. And... When I get tired by the attacks of the enemies, I sometimes think like this. Just wait a minute and you will pay the price. You will surely pay the price. So you better not touch me. You better not hassle me. But it's not just a story of myself. To all the children of God, you guys have same authority. Right? How, how dare these... these uh, these worthless beings can touch these worthy children of God. They will pay, pay the price. So when we hear this kind of uh, prophecies, we should, we should, uh, we should have this confidence, because it seems like the world is manipulating, being manipulated by the enemies, but, but the one who takes control over all those things is God alone. Even, even what's most important thing is, is that unless God allows them to do so, the enemies can never touch these worthy uh, children of God. Why? Because uh, you are always confirming this um, powerful, holy blood of the Jesus Christ, precious blood of Jesus Christ in you. In Book of Romans, Paul even said that the, the enemies cannot even dare to touch us. Why? Because we have the blood of King. Don't you believe this? Well, it, it may be difficult for you to believe this. Why? Because uh, you may believe the word, but, but in reality, you are keeping attacked by the enemies, right? You might think, well, I, I believe that God's promise is like this, but in my reality, uh, these, these demons and the, the enemies are keep um, irritating me. So should I believe in this promise or not? 
But no matter what the reality is uh, seeing, the truth is the truth. There will be time that enemy will never, uh, never touch us. But of course, it's, it's a bad thing that the reality is like this. But surely, I bless, I bless you to believe that this authority is upon you. So let's let's continue. Verse 21. I asked, "What are these coming? Uh, uh, what are these? What are these coming to do?" And he answered, "These are the horns that scattered Judah, so that no one could raise their head." So, so these horns, they took the head of Judah and they made Judah to fall. When God created this world and when, when God ruled this world, the order and the fundamental of His order and system is, of course, and of course, and of course, God created all human beings as royal beings. And he appears in Genesis 1.28. When, when God first created the human beings, he did not separate them from um, Jews and the Gentiles. But when, uh, when Adam corrupted, um, when, he, when he fell into corruption, all the humankind uh, also followed him and... And God's uh, ultimate purpose is to make all the human beings like these royal children. And He wants them to form this kingdom of God. And He wants these human beings to rule over all creation as children of God, as children, of, as royal children. But, but human beings fail that, that purpose, right? So... So how did God uh, choose to rule this world? Through choosing Israel as royal priests and through them God wants them to uh, let glory of God to be flowed from them so, so that that glory will turn the world into the kingdom of God. So the hope of the world is is the Israelites to be uh, handling this role as a royal priest well. So all we need to do is to help Israelites to do the job well. And our focus, so a ministry, uh, what we what we want to, what we are focusing on Israel is to recover this this authority of the firstborn son. Last ten years ministering Israelites, what we aim to do is to restore their their authority. Then the world is at peace. Will be at peace. And at the end, the image, uh, according to that procedure, what, what should they look like? What the world should look like? It appears in Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel, and the, the law, law of the humankind should be, should be a king under the genealogy of David must arise and rule over the world. But no matter what kind of system the world is being ruled, it's, it's about the world, right? 
whether it's democracy, communism, it's all the stories of the world. God will surely, God will surely build a kingdom. Um, he said first Samuel, but now he says second Samuel. But anyways, it appears in the Book of Samuel uh, that this is the the rule of the world. This is the law of the world, law of the humankind. So. So when the Israelites is corrupted and polluted, the world has no hope. The only, only card that God can use is to, to annihilate the world. Of course, of course, there are reasons why Israelites cannot do this that well. So God, uh, our Lord Himself came, came directly, and He appointed he entrusted this job to the church in the New Testament era. So now our churches must uh, take care of this job as royal priests. In the, in the early days of the church, uh, they seemed like they did this job well, but as time goes by, they also went into this corruption. They also fall into the corruption. And they all... all um, after the, the great uh, emperor Constantinople, they all fall into the corruption too. And now we, we can't find any difference from the one who goes to a Buddhist temple or the one who goes to church. And now it became a religion. And if, if, if it becomes a religion, you don't need to find, you don't need to find a church. There's no difference from a Buddhist priest or to a Buddhist monk to a pastor. And because in a sense, in a sense, uh, a Buddhist monk might be better than pastor because uh, these, these monks, they do not have family to take care of. But the pastors, they have uh, family to take care of, right? And the Buddhist monks, they do not uh, tell the, the, the temple members, not the church members, to, to bring, bring lots of money. So you should re-confirm re, um, yourself. Uh, if I am corrupted to the religion, it, must, it might be better for me to just go to a Buddhist temple. And why in this world do they do, they do the strike? Do the labor union do the strike for for the raise of, of their salary, right? For raise of like two percent of their salary, they do these strikes, right? But in the church, you guys you guys give uh, one one tenth of of your salary, but why do you guys not not do the, any strike or rebellion? And our pastors must. I say thank you for the church members, not, not, not for having, having a strike in the church to reduce the, the tithing. So listen well. So if, if it becomes a religion, it would be better for you to just go to a Buddhist temple than a church. So, so the church must have a life. Essentially, church must have a rule of God in order to take care of the job of a royal priest. A church must have this glory. 
and you do not think that because Pastor Kim has such a large scale, he's doing this worldly ministry. No, this is the essential, essential of characteristic of the church. This is essential characteristic of the church who is taking care of this job as a royal priest. This is not a matter of spiritual gift or a scale. I'm just being royal, uh, being, uh, being loyal to the essential uh, job of the church. I'm just obeying to the head of the church who is Jesus Christ. So, so the Israelites and the church is failing to do this job. The world is corrupting and corrupting. And the, and the enemies is keep trying to deceiving the world. They think that oh, they need to kill the Israelites. And in the society, in Korean society too, uh, the, the pastors and churches are not being acknowledged uh, well, right? And, and we should not uh, uh, accuse the world, worldly people, uh, for pointing out to the church. And we should not point them out that they are evil. Why? Because they are being uh, deluded by the, by the enemies. And because they are losing this holiness. Because the church is losing the glory. If not, that is impossible, right? Why? Because our dignity, our nobility is being secured by God Himself. And frankly speaking, it is not, not even time for us to repent for this. The time has already passed. And 20 years ago, the reason why I hesitated to begin Zoe ministry is because it is difficult to minister the, the pastors. And the pastors. And being a pastor, it is difficult to repent. And someone needs to take care of this responsibility. And through the time, I've been repenting through all these 20 years. But now, now God does not require me to repent anymore. Now, now it's time to separate the, the, the dark and, and, and the bright. Now the time for me to just drag them and to persuade them, it's over. God, is, God told me that that time is done. Now only the people who decided to live as a remnant, they will live. So we will no longer strive to just pull them and drag them and just guide them. No, it's done. Now, even to my church, those who, those who do not react by faith, I just, I'm being ruthless to them. I do not like persuade, I do not require the people. I just tell them to live by faith, then you will live. If you do not live by faith, then you will die. It's so clear. This is season like that. So, to those who are not following well, it is not time for you pastors to just uh, be be hooked to them and be related to them and trying to persuade them, trying to you know drag them. 
No, this is time that the, uh, the lamb and the goats will be divided. And God does not uh, put his effort, put his energy upon that case. Now it's time for God to just pour abundantly to the remnants. Let's move on. So, so these horns, they, they stomped upon Israelites, so, and it seems like they do not have any hope. But the craftsmen have come to terrify them. In verse 21. So the Israelites, uh, um, this world is trying to kill the Israelites, and now it's time for God to come and ju bring judgment over this world. So these craftsmen came, came to judge over the world, so these horns are terrified by that. In Habakkuk chapter 2, the, the order of this world is like this. The world, which is corrupted by the desire of possession, in order to possess, they need to kill others, right? And in the perspective of the world, possessing what is not yours, it seems like you are living well. In this limited material of the world, the first to come and take those are, are uh, being praised as the ones who are living well. So if you are falling behind in that, in that uh, competition, uh, you are being accused by a loser. So, so this is a perspective of the world. But God made such a tremendous order. And if you try to uh, raid and plunder from others, there will be someone who will come and plunder you too. And sometimes in the history, we, it looked like Babylon was the strongest nation, but the Persia came up and they ruled over Babylon. And Persia seemed like they were the great nation, and then Rome came up. So in the world, it's a continuation of plundering and raiding. So if you live by the world, it's not living itself. You cannot tell that it's a living. If you, if you are in the Babylon, you have to kill someone in order to live. So in order to live as a child of God, you need to confirm your order as living as a kingdom of God. If you do not live according to kingdom of God, it means that you are killing someone even though you are not aware of it. In order to have this breakfast this morning, do you know how many people you have killed? In, in this morning to have breakfast, I have killed many cows. In order to eat the rice, I killed many farmers' effort. So in order for me to sustain my life, I have to sacrifice many people's life. And the reason why I am not feeling guilt about that, why? It's because I'm living according to the kingdom of God. And I'm living according to what is given by God. I'm not living by the effort of the people or the life of the people. So we should live by the kingdom of God and we should live by what is given from the kingdom of God. So if you keep living in the world, you are keep sacrificing something. 
So this is the order of the desire of possession. So now you need to, if you have been um, attending Zoe ministry for such a long time, you should now know how tremendous sin uh, and how severe and heavy this burden of desire of possession is. You need to be aware that, oh, this desire of possession is killing someone. And desire of possession, it limits and restricts this abundant life that God allows to the children of God. And kingdom of God has no limit. And if you keep pondering and thinking of restriction and limitation, it means that you keep limiting yourself and you're limiting kingdom of God too. When you live by kingdom of God, your focus must be on on giving uh, it should not be on being take, taken away and one worrying that oh what if what if these other people take away all my belongings it should not be like that but if you live by kingdom of God let's say if, if someone take away 10,000 won from you uh, 1,000 won from you you should think, oh, do I have 10,000 won to give away for that person too? Why? Because you are living uh, this order of feeling of God. So all you need to do is to give away to people, to let this abundance flow from you and be refilled by God. This is the order of God. People of God, they do not exploit. They do not just stack and store things. The reason why I'm helping other nations, other ministers, and other churches is not because I'm a good man, but because I'm living according to the kingdom of God. And, and without any, any mistake, God applied His order of abundance to our Yerabang church for the last 20 years. He continued to refill. So if you, if you see, if you look at your lifestyle, you, you should be able to distinguish whether you are living according to the order of the world or order of the kingdom of God. So, more and more you try to exploit and store in the world, you will become more poor and poor. This is such a, a fearful system. If you do not live by kingdom of God, you, you will naturally go into that system. But kingdom of God, you do not possess anything. And look, let's say this is my garden here in front of me. I have a garden. Let's say I have so many um, uh, fruit trees. And having this kind of many uh, fruit trees, would I, be, would I go to a grocery store and worry what kind of fruit I, would, I want to buy? No. And all universe is mine. And why strive to possess and exploit things? And even if you have right relationship with God, you will begin to uh, feel distracted and irritated by possessing things. This is freedom. This is characteristic of freedom. This is not just a theory. So keep living like that, right? This is not just a theory. 
Possessing must be a burden to you. And always I tell the visiting message. I always tell our church members uh, uh, giving giving an inheritance to your children is, is a shame. Do not give inheritance to your children. And our church members say amen loud because they do not have anything. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. <laughs> oh, I guess because I've been saying this, uh, those people who had many inheritance, they, they left our church. Anyways, so here appears an important message. And the craftsmen have come to terrify them and throw down these horns of the nations who lifted up their horns against the land of Judah to scare his people. If you look at this in, in original language of Hebrew, and here, um, the horns appears as a singular um, singular noun. So it should be interpreted as as that uh, these craftsmen will raise one horn in order to make the other horns to fall. So in order to judge this world, God will use other horn to judge other horns. What does this mean? What does this one horn represent? It represents a word. I mean, a man. Oh, never mind. It, it represents Satan. And, and the world, the reason why they, they try to judge, uh, um, defeat Israelites is because of the strategy of Satan. But even, even the Satan, a great horn, will be uh, judged by God. And for example, in Revelation chapter 10, uh, by whom does, does this great prostitute get murdered? By Antichrist. So, no matter how, no matter what kind of things these uh, demons do, they are being used by God. So, no matter how they attack you, how much tribulation they give to you, it's all done uh, in order to train and make the children of God glorious. Never they can gain victory over us. Right? We are the ones who already confirmed our victory. So the only reason why you fail is because you don't believe in this victory. It's not because the world is great or the devils are great. No! Because you don't believe in the promise of God that you will be victorious. Never they can claim the victory over us. They have no chance. Never at any chance they have victory over us. They cannot claim their victory over us. Why? Because 
Because our, our victory is already accomplished by Him. And He has given us this victory with no price for free. How did He claim this victory? How much of a price did He pay? And the only thing that we need to do is believing in this victory, believing in this promise that He has given us this victory for free. So no matter how, how loud, how wild these enemies look, we don't need to get afraid of them. Hallelujah, amen. So, so these enemies, they're just, just being manipulated by God. And they are the ones who will be judged at the end. And they have this hurt, they cannot get healed. They have this hurt and wound because they are keeping used by God and they cannot be victorious at all. And then, for such a long history, now they should realize, right? But even though these enemies, they realize this, they, they understand they cannot become victorious, but, but they cannot give up upon their life to be used by God like that. Well, but that's not the issue. Why? Because our victory is greater. Hey, look. A saint to get martyred is such a tragedy in the sight of the world, right? But, but in the kingdom of God, it's the greatest victory. Right? It's the greatest victory. And the greatest glory that God allowed to the saint is the martyrdom. And these enemies, they understand this. They know that when they kill the saints, they know it's a great glory. But in order to uh, be used by God, they, they cannot help themselves but to kill the saints. So there's nothing that we can, we should be afraid of and we should uh, despair about. Now it's time for us to avenge. I will surely be victorious at the end. So let's continue. Let's move to chapter 2 verse 1. Now appears the restoration of Judah. As we listen to eschatology, we need to have this confirmation of victory. We need to know that there is hope in Israel. There's no hope in the world. There's no hope in this world. Amen? Are your faces are getting brighter? Your despair, unbelief must be disappeared. You need to understand what, how tremendous privilege it is to live by faith. This day, I'm like this. Of course, it's not like I do not know that. I think to myself, why do the people do not, uh, why do the people don't live by faith? I mean, if you live by faith, everything is so good and so easy like this. 
But why do they live according to their own thoughts? Sometimes when I look at people like that, I think like that. <laughs> If you write your doctor's thesis, you will, you will write it by faith and you will write it easily. Well, of course, it's not like I don't understand them or anything. But still, why? And, and if you can compare living by your own thoughts and living by faith, then, well, you can consider that. But it is, they, they cannot be compared at all. It's not a matter of choosing. You should not hesitate to, to choose between those two. You must live by faith, right? Live by spirit. But the reason why you hesitate is because you still have such a great fleshly forces in you. So appears, here appears new, newly measured Jerusalem from chapter 2 verse 1 through 5. Then I looked up and there before me was a man with a measuring line in his hand. So You can see the visions uh, also closing your eyes and also uh, opening your eyes. And when, when the presence of the Lord is so strong, you will see the visions while opening your eyes. I'm not saying this is uh, um, essential or this is, this is the, the case, but, but the presence is strong, you may see the visions while opening your eyes. So here, here Zechariah is uh, seeing a vision while opening his eyes. I guess uh, the, the presence of the Lord was so tremendous upon him. And in my experience, Zechariah, he is under a circumstance that he cannot be exposed to the world. And how, how joyful would this spiritual status is. And I said it before, uh, just watching a vision is not just seeing a picture, but it's, it's God keep enthusiasing his, his spirit. In the early days of the church, church history, when, when they spoke in tongue, they talk about this fullness of the Holy Spirit. So, no matter how you begin speaking in tongue, but but when you are speaking in tongue, you, you must experience the fullness of spirit at a certain point. If you do not have the fullness of the Holy Spirit while speaking in tongue, it will become a meaningless uh, words. It will become a meaningless words. So if you have a right and normal anointing in you, I'm not talking about just uh, praying for like 10 minutes. When you enter into a deep relationship with the Lord, let's say you pray for about one hour praying in tongues. It appears in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And, and it appears uh, speaking in different tongues. It's not speaking in one tongue. Speaking in different tongues. 
What does it mean? Your tongue prayer does not uh, appears in one form. Before AD 70, in the early days of the churches, all the languages they were proclaimed uh, through tongue tongue. Let's say I don't speak a single word of Spanish. When I when the spiritual gift of tongue tongue. <laughs> As present among me, I just proclaim in Spanish. And this, so this is the reason why Paul said, desire to speak in different tongues. It's the same. Sometimes when I speak in tongue, I speak like German. Sometimes I speak like Japanese. Sometimes I speak like this uh, native uh, language of Africa. And when I cannot interpret my tongue prayer, sometimes I experience a strong authority coming out from me. It's a tongue of deliverance. Sometimes I speak this tongue of love to the Lord. So, so that's the reason why in Second, I mean, in First Corinthians, Paul says, uh, "Desire to receive uh, speaking lots of uh, different tongues." So, if you are in a right uh, anointing, your tongue prayer shall not uh, be be prayed in in one one tone. And my son Yongguang, he's good at mimicking, <laughs> imitating other people's tongue prayer. <laughs> Yongguang imitated Dick and Kim's uh, tongue prayer. Sometimes he he does a showcase in in our house, imitating other people's tongue prayer. But in our church, no one no one can imitate my tongue prayer. Why? Because my tongue prayer always changes. <laughs> <laughs> so your tongue prayer must be uh, prayed in, in this anointing continuation of the change of anointing and especially in the fullness of the Holy Spirit your vision itself is not on seeing things but, but the purpose of seeing a vision is uh, awakening the Holy Spirit in you and keep entering into the stronger presence so this spiritual gift is not just a matter of using a spiritual gift. And this perspective of using the spiritual gift came from this corruption of John Wimber. But, but spiritual gifts must not treat it in that sense. Well, I've covered this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, so I will not uh, explain it any longer. But anyways, uh, to Zechari uh, Zechariah, he was experiencing this such a strong... Um, powerful anointing upon him and the one who was uh, with the measuring line um, who this person was that's not so important we can say that it was uh, Jesus Christ it could be an uh, angel but what's sure about this is that this measuring line is for measuring something though <laughs> 
but, but verse 2. I asked, where are you going? He answered me to measure Jerusalem to find out how wide and how long it is. So here, to measure Jerusalem, this person came to measure its length and its width. Why? In order to uh, construct a new temple. But at the end, at the end, uh, conclusionally, uh, this this temple that we are talking about is is about this this last temple in the in the millennial kingdom the temple that the Lord Jesus himself will reign as a king and what does this measuring of Jerusalem means it means that it means that for this many thousands a year of of tribulation and persecution of Israel this, this person is measuring the Jerusalem to become a capital city of a kingdom So he came to measure the spiritual depth and width and the length. So what kind of being it is? And what kind of religion it is? If you are absolute being, if you are godly being, de your deity gives you tribulation and persecution for such a long time, there is no religion that can uh, keep serve that deity. But Israelites, they've been under the persecution for, for many thousand years, but, but more than they went through this persecution and tribulation, they kept went into deeper uh, understanding of their, their absolute being, Yahweh. To saints, it's the same. The more you experience your tribulation, uh, if you leave the church, then it's a good thing for that person to leave. If you experience a persecution, if you, you don't come to worship, then just don't come to worship. I'm saying it's a fake. Children of God, the more you experience persecution, it is natural for you to enter into the deeper relationship with God. And through the persecution, uh, God is measuring your length and width of your holiness. In your religious life, if you have received that tribulation well, and your holiness must have gone deeper, deep into a right scale of the Lord. You should have a tremendous authority, and you should have a scale to embrace all universe. So every time when you when you have tribulation and suffering, you should not fall into despair. Then you will just result into a, a person who has no merit. And Israelites in the history of the world, they went into this. They they've gone through such a tri tremendous tribulation and suffering, but they have never abandoned the Lord. Now they have they are acknowledged as a king to receive and welcome the Lord. Uh, I'm not sure whether it was Amos or Hosea. Uh, what it is to live as an Israelite. In their history, 
and even they were under a, such a horrible tri uh, tribulation that they had to eat their own children because they had no food. And understanding this history, do you truly want to live like Israelite? Do you truly want to live as a child of God? This is not an easy thing. A firstborn will receive twice the blessing from the other than the other other sons. But he will have twice the, the responsibility. That's the reason why these Israelites have received this tribulation. And why do they have such a good DNA, good gene? It's because in the tribulation and suffering, they went into deeper love with God. And our high school students, when they were in Europe, they went to Poland, Auschwitz, in that gas chamber. Did you guys see that gas chamber? In that gas chamber, these Jews rode on the wall. Still God lives. Still God lives. We need to love Israel. In order for Israel to restore their firstborn authority, we need to help them. Until the millennial kingdom, uh, the division between the Israelites and the Gentiles will be clear. So we need to love the Jews, especially the Messianic Jews. And I keep praying for this. Lord, please help me to meet this Messianic church in, in Israel. This Messianic Jewish church who can raise the remnants. Let's continue. Verse 3. While the angel who was speaking to me was leaving another angel, leaving, another angel came to meet him. And this word, uh, living and coming, is same word uh, in Hebrew, yoche. Yotze, uh, yotze. So this person uh, came back and forth twice. So, so this is the uh, changing of the vision of Zechariah. And one vision uh, left and another vision came in once again. And I understand this because I have similar spiritual experiences. So here, until, until verse 2, there was one vision and there's another vision here in verse 3. And why is it so complicated? It's because, it's because there's more authority in other, other vision and other, other angels. Some angels have authority to speak in certain degree and some angels have uh, authority to speak in different degrees. It appears in Revelation. So, so this is a clear evidence of God's rule and God's kingdom, this spiritual order. So one of the uh, main principles that I apply to our church is spiritual order. 
And the, re the reason for corruption of First Corinthian, um, Corinthian Church is the corruption of spiritual order. And I am so close with my church members. I wrestle with them. I make jokes with them. But if they there's no one who challenges my spiritual authority. When I proclaim, it shall be done. Why? Because it's not my authority. It's an authority that has been uh, reasoned by God. And church must have this order clearly. And when God speaks through me, it must be absolute. You should not have any interpretation about this, any challenges about this. This is the characteristic of uh, deism. I mean, I mean the the how was it called? Uh, the rule by God. So in the world, you must understand, you must be logical in order to persuade someone to follow, follow this. But, but in the church, all the the decision, all the authority comes from above. So all we need to do is to follow his order, command, follow his command. So this is the reason why all the churches are dying these days, because they follow this humanism. these elders and the church members to vote whether the pastor will continue to uh, minister this church or not. That's democracy. And, and uh, frankly speaking, it's like a gangsters, right? We should have the system to follow, follow the order directly from above. So sometimes when a newcomer in our church comes, they have these difficulties in these in this newly uh, welcoming season because they have never experienced this uh, pastor with this kind of authority. But after a certain period of time, this is the most comfortable thing, right? Only to obey to God. Only to live according to your calling. So you don't have to do uh, any useless, uh, meaningless actions in the church. You should not touch all these holy, uh, holy things. Only person who can touch the holy things is the high priest. So the church members. The so only thing you need to do is just pray hard. To raise the associate pastor is the authority of a senior pastor. But why do you complain and blame someone that why is pastor raising that person? No, do not touch the holy things. Are church members happy for my, my decisions? Are you guys happy? Are you guys happy? All you need to do is just translate, right? So this is because the order is clear. So in kingdom of God, you should have this clear spiritual order. And the corruption of Corinthian church came from this corruption of the spiritual order. So let's continue. Verse 4. And said to him, Run, tell that young man. And here, who is the young man? That's, that's not the issue. 
but it's probably Zechariah. Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great numbers of people and animals in it. In history, was there any uh, time of the history that Jerusalem had no walls? In BC 433, uh, the Zerubbabel Temple had the walls around it, right? And in all history, there was a wall around Jerusalem. And even, even in the Millennial Kingdom, it, it has its walls. In, in Isaiah, it appears that the, the foreign kings will come and build uh, a wall. And in the new, new heaven and new, new land, they do have the walls. New heaven and earth. But these walls are not for the defense, defense of the kingdom, but to, but to represent and separate this perfect holiness from the world in order to uh, make a sign that you, unholy, cannot, cannot uh, approach to this. So here in verse 4, what does this mean? Is it a, a prophecy of, of temple not being completed? No. This is uh, representing the restoration of the eschatology at the end time. So, so these people and these animals, they were restored so much that you don't need walls. What is New Jerusalem? It is the headquarters of the whole nations. There will be uh, many pilgrims that will visit Jerusalem. And you don't have to worry about the attacks of the enemies anymore. So that's the reason why you don't have walls. So he is prophesying about this um, restoration of the temple at the end time. And verse 5, And I myself will be a wall of fire around it. And they do not have a physical war, but God will surround them with fire. And why? Because they will be a perfect temple. And one of the reasons why the fires will be a walls for them is because, because, because I will be its glory within. So he himself, who is the, 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 the actual glory himself, will be up within the, the, the temple. And in Isaiah, uh, he prophesied that no sun and moon will be needed. And just like that, we should be able to see this glory of the end time. Not, not everyone can go. Only the royal priest can go and see this glory at the end. In Ezekiel appears this story of the, the eschatological temple. And this royal priest can uh, see and meet him face to face any time. And we should all sustain this holiness until that end time and meet there. Amen.
So, so there's nothing that we need to uh, try to accomplish on this earth. If you possess, it's an irritation. If you become successful in the world, it will be a, a hassle. All you need to do is just have faith. So at the end, we will result it in front of His glory. So here, in verse 5, it represents the glory at the end time. And your church, God's church, is keep accomplishing this these days too. In book of Malachi, Malachi appears uh, God's glory among his temple and he he's surrounding his land with his fire. So so Jesus said that he he's entrusting this key to open the authority of the beast. So how much of a, of a authority is given to the church? So the the enemies can not easily touch the church. And how such a tremendous grace that God gave Joy Ministry this fire. God's kingdom and fire cannot be separated. Holiness and this holy fire must uh, always be filled in your life. So so that your so that your life will never uh, be pack attacked. Let's continue. Verse six to to the end. Uh, verse six to nine. Well, this is a picture of Israelites coming back to a new restored Jerusalem. And this shows the procedure of the restoration. Are you guys receiving this by faith? All God's words are important. But the reason why eschatology is so special to you is because eschatology is the story about the end, but it's not the story of the uh, end, it's the story about the integration. That's how important it is. You must understand the eschatology in order to integrate the whole story of the Bible. So if you do not integrate the Bible, you just take one story from here and one story from there. So no matter where you grab in the Bible, you should not go against the whole flow of the full integration of the Bible. And we are raising these doctors in our church. Why are we raising uh, these doctors in different studies? Because we have all the integra in, uh, integrated uh, flows of the Bible. That's the reason why I can tell these doctors that uh, write this and that. When Judy comes back from U.S., we will uh, begin uh, seriously about this, this spiritual battle against this truth, uh, this corrupted truth. <laughs> we will appoint uh, Pastor Lee as the first martyr of our church because he wrote the uh, thesis about uh, human Jesus. <laughs> but the, don't worry, but the one who will uh, put the post on, on, on the walls of the Vatican will be Pastor Chong. <laughs> 
<laughs> he already has the face of a martyr. <laughs> He's already prepared. <laughs> so you know when I when I speak about these kind of stories, his wife should hate about this, but instead she's always so happy to hear this kind of thing. Verse six: Come, come, flee from the land of the north. This. This land of north, it represents Babylon. But um, geologically, Babylon is located in on the east of Israel. But why? Why do the prophet says it's from the north? But because all when when all the slaves return, they come from the north pass. Babylon is already. Is disappeared, so we we can understand this is the story of the end time. Declares the Lord, for I have scattered you for the to the four winds of heaven. Declares the Lord. So God uh, punished them, and they went around the world for diaspora, and. And God is calling them once again back to Israel, who has been scattered around the world. In 1948, Israel was uh, on the independence of Israel. Uh, the this prophecy was accomplished once, and the world was surprised. And there were lots of great stories. Ezekiel uh, chapter 38 was accomplished. Such a tremendous thing. And now, now all the Jews around the world are gathering once again. There are many aspects about this. For example, this Ukraine uh, war. Why did this happen? Because they have many, many uh, Jews living in Ukraine. And they are coming back for Aliyah. How many, uh, where... Where are the the most Jews living in in U.S.? There will be time for for Jews in U.S. to return to their country. When? When the Israel uh, win a battle that seems impossible for them to be victorious, these Jews from U.S. will return to their land. How many people will be raised in Israel? that in, in desert Negev there will be filled with people in there as the uh, prophecy in Obadiah and many uh, prophets have prophesied about this so when, when Israelites return we need to see that we are living in time of, of the end time this eschatology it's not a coincidence that they are returning to their land now will come this day that the uh, Jews in the Jews in U.S. will return. How many? At least 10 million people. And many will die through the Armageddon War. But anyways, let's continue. Verse 7. Come Zion, escape. 
you who live in daughter Babylon. So God is keep uh, telling the Israelites and Jews to come back from the world. He is applying this message exactly same to your church. You children of the world uh, of of the church, children of God, do not stay in the world. Return, return. If you keep staying in the world, you will die. And church of God, children of God should not stay in the world. And in this matter, I'm saying so ruthlessly to, to our church members, but still there are many who are keep loving the world. I keep showing them how meaningless they are, how wordless they are, but, but they keep turning their head toward the world. This is all poison, venom. I don't know, I don't understand why they like this so much. Ask one another, why do you like the world so much? Ask one another, why do you like the world so much? But when you live close to, the, to God, you should be able to uh, see, consider the world as nothing. There's nothing great in this world. There's nothing you should be surprised about the world. I've been to uh, Iguazu Fall, waterfall, and it's such a tremendous view, right? If you see uh, Iguazu and then if you come back to see Niagara Falls, it's nothing. I didn't hear the, the second, but, but anyways, in Psalms 42, David is explaining, uh, saying that uh, God's voice is like a waterfall. If you have seen God's uh, world, the Iguazu Fall would be like a peeing of a little boy. It's because you don't understand the scale of God that's the reason why you see the world as a great thing. So it's just nothing. Let's say if, if this world is such a great thing, and let's say if this world is the best, would God uh, bring judgment to the world? No. It's because it's not the best, it should be eliminated. And God had already prepared the best thing for us. Do you see the glory? Run away from Babylon. Flee from Babylon. You should get out of Babylon. You should keep, um, solve these bindings of the world. And religion is ultimately the world. And spirit of religion, what it seeks is to live like the world. Of course, it disguises as a holy thing. So it, they think that they're living holy. But all the pastors that I have met who are influenced by the religion, I have never seen someone who is not influenced by the immorality and the world. That's the characteristic. 
So if you do not have the holiness, you will eventually fall into the world. You will fall into immorality. So the holier you you became, you become, the the more you will give give away the lifestyle of the world. Now, now is for the righteous to live. This world is not worth. It's not suitable. The world is not suitable for the righteous to live. So, as soon as possible, we should uh, welcome the Lord. We should have. We should see the kingdom of God. Why? Why do children of God pay the tax? Sometimes I feel I feel uh, angry about paying the tax to the to the world. But to Pilate. Um, I lost his word. But anyways, anyways, verse eight. <clears throat> For this is what the Lord Almighty says: After the glorious one has sent me against the nations that have plundered you, this is a part that the interpretation uh, interpretation is needed. Um, the the. So here, English translation is translated well after the glorious one, uh, Ahar. So if you look at the Hebrew uh, original language, so after the glorious one and sent me. Oh yeah. So so the interpretation, the translation of the English is quite well. The glorious one will send me after and after he has sent me. So this is a confirmation of the four horns and four craftsmen. And after the glory ones, it means after the cross, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection. And so the the Yahweh has sent the uh, the the second person Son Jesus Christ, where to the place which plundered Israel, which is all all nations. And the uh, the gospel has spread around the world, and uh, giving up of Israel is a sign of the world to come back. And and the number of the Gentiles has filled already, and gospel has spread around the world, and so now it's time for the Jews to return. So this season is not the season for the Gentiles to experience the salvation. Isaiah 24 is prophesying this precisely. Of course, until the returning of Jesus Christ, the salvation will not stop. But the mainstream of salvation has stopped already. See, look how how often this um, event of salvation is happening in the church. Not much. So the core, uh, essential uh, point that we should focus is sanctification and glorification. In our church, we rarely see the newcomers to experience the salvation. Maybe once in a few months. Last year, we had two newly come members who were who were turned completely upside down. So now. 
the gate of heaven is closed for the for the Gentiles. So now it's time for you to open your eyes and see these. See what kind of time we're living in. What kind of season we are living. So, so your pastor ministership and your church must be focused on sanctification and glorification of the remnants. So when you raise one person, one saint, you should strive to put, uh, uh, raise the person as sanctified and glorified. And there are still many of you who are trying to gather many numbers. Still, many of you are having this objective of having gathering thousand people, ten thousand people. No. Um, these these organizations who are uh, translating the Bible. Um, do, do you guys know the name of that that organization? Wycliffe, something like that. But anyways, they uh, what they say is that they they are also expecting the the finishing of the translation of the whole Bible into all languages around the world around 2035. So we have now entered into the season for the Jews to return instead of the uh, Gentiles. When I went to uh, Urumuchi in China, western part of China, I went to this conference and there was this one, I, I told all the missionaries, Korean missionaries, and I told them, oh, soon you will be kicked out, you will be, uh, you will be kicked out from mainland China. And after about two years, they were all kicked out. Do not take lightly about the servant of the Lord. And I'm, I'm surely saying that the number has reached. Numbers of the Gentiles have reached. Now it's time for us to focus on the glorification and sanctification. So here, after the glorious one has sent me, which means God has sent Jesus to the nations. And Isaiah unraveled this prophecy, focusing on the salvation. And Zechariah here, what is he focusing about? He's focusing about the timeline. Oh, he's focusing on the judgment. Um, so the reason why God sent Jesus to the world is not only for, for him to save the world, but also to bring judgment to the world. At the same time that uh, Jesus accomplished the salvation on this earth, he also fulfilled the condition of judgment to the world. So the salvation and the judgment cannot be separate. They go together as a pair. This is a characteristic of God. God is not a God who only speaks about the blessing. He also brings curses. But this is such a great blessing to us. Idols are false gods, right? It's because they speak only about the blessing, not about the curse. But Yahweh, our God, He speaks about Mount Green, Mount Neville at the same time. And He... He also finished, concluded, concluded all the curse of Mount Evil through crucifixion. This is how tremendous our God Yahweh is. 
he also uh, decide whether the blessing and whether it's blessing, whether it's a curse. Whether he, when he says you will die, but when he says you will live, then even though your uh, result is death, you will still live. This is how tremendous our God is. The one who both proclaims the blessing and the curse at the same time, Elohim. We are living with such an amazing God, and we should live also amazing life too, right? How tremendous, amazing God we are living with, and we also should be amazing. Am I an amazing person or not? You don't have much a choice to answer, right? You're an associate pastor. But anyways, you're living with such an amazing, uh, cool God. Ask one another. Why do you not live... Uh, why are you not living a cool life when you're living with such a cool God? <laughs> Our God is such an amazing God, right? So, so I, I don't try to become amazing, but when I try to live like a ch child of God, God makes me amazing. And because <laughs> I become more amazing, it's natural for my wife to love me more and more. <laughs> she said, should I give you a kiss right now? Anyways, let's continue. So, so, with this focus of judgment, this Zechariah is explaining his prophecy here. For whoever touches you, touches the apple of his eye. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 32 explains this. Israel is the apple of his eye. This is such a tremendous expression of God toward His Son, toward His children, Israel, and the church. Well, let's say you have a splinter in your finger. Uh, it, it might bring you pain a little bit and it might bother you a little bit, but you can live that. But let's say you have a little um, a dust in your eye. You cannot live that, right? There's no one who will live that behind. You, whether you uh, pour water in your eye, whether you go and wash your face, you need to solve that, right? You need to get rid of the dust. Why? Because that's how sensitive that eye is. That's how sensitive God is toward His Son Israel. And in Psalms 41, when David says, God has such many thoughts toward me, you, you need to understand this, what this means. It is so natural that God is having all His attention and His focus toward His people. He's always sensitive toward all these spiritual circumstances and conditions that you are going through. When you are uh, concerning, worrying, do not think that you are the only one who is concerning worrying. God is watching you sensitively. When you are living in unbelief, God is becoming sensitive. When you are living in the world, God is becoming sensitive. Why? Because you are the apple of His eye. 
try to grab a dust on the road and try to put that in your eye. I mean, you would not get bothered by it, right? No. How tremendous word it is. That you are the apple of his eye. Oh, I am an apple of his eye. And how dare this enemy touch the apple of his eye? He will die surely, right? Do not doubt and believe that you are the apple of his eye. You are my sensitivity. When someone touches you, I will never stay silent. So let's say my, my brother Sergio, let's say he hits my, my, my belly. Hit my belly. <laughs> let's say I can, I can bear this, right? Try to poke my ear. I can bear this heat, but I cannot allow him to poke my eyes. It's the same. You are the apple of his eyes. It's like same. He will never allow someone to touch his eyes. This is how sensitivity, sensitive he is toward you. If you do not believe this, try to poke someone's eyes next to you. This is how sensitive God is toward you. And it is, it is a nonsense that you do not understand his heart. And when the world, when the enemy is trying to touch you, I mean, it's a nonsense. Do not be sensitive toward the enemies and the world trying to hassle you. They are determined to be doomed, determined to be judged. So this, is your, this should be your identity. Let's move on. Do you have anything in, in the afternoon? Do you have any schedule? Rest. Uh, so we don't have any schedule this afternoon. Take rest. <laughs> Today we will rest, but but do not do not go walk around and do not go outside. Uh, take a break. Take a rest. And tomorrow we will decide what we'll do tomorrow afternoon. Let's move on. Let's continue. Verse 9. I will surely, surely raise my hand against him. Um, this represents a picture of a priest raising his offering to the Lord. So this is a, another explanation from verse 8. So this, this person who has been sent by the glorious one will raise the, the one who has plundered the Israel up to the Lord. So that their slaves will plunder them. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. So here, so their slaves is the Israel. And he says the Israelites have been plundered by them. So listen carefully. At the end time, it's not the time for the world to be victorious. 
but it will be time for the Israel and the remnants. Even though they are small in numbers, they it's time for them to be victorious. So, so do not focus on the abundance that the world is speaking about, the blessing the world is speaking about. You should surely have the condition of victory that God is requiring you. When the new Jerusalem comes and the, the king of the pagans, king of the Gentiles will serve the Jerusalem. And who are the firstborns of the Gentiles? They are not the mega churches. The firstborns are the remnants. And the history is being determined by the God, by God. With, from whom is God uh, asking for the agreement? From the remnants. Uh, more precisely, the remnants must agree the God's will. And God hears from our prayer, and according to our prayer, He rules. And Revelation, it says clearly, God receives um, the, the saint's prayer on the golden platter, and He will pour down to the world, and it will become a judgment on the world. So pray for God's rule. And we are being related to God's rule who rules over all cosmos, all universe. Let's move on. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. So here, this is uh, in an incomplete tense. To those who live by God, No matter what they do, what kind of action they take, uh, Lord must be exposed from them, through them. At this end time, no one can deny this. All the world will be filled with knowing of God, the knowledge of God. So out of all things, we must rush and... Uh, um, we must rush to go into that glory. And there will be no enemy. I mean, it itself is such a great thing, right? In Millennial Kingdom, we will not just enter into our flesh like this, but we will become this complete form, ultimate form. Becoming this perfect form, what does this mean? In Zechariah, um, there appears this hint those who are like David, those who are weak will be like David, and those who are like David will be like God. So our perfect form will be, and it is describing that we will be like God. So if we think that, oh, I want to meet this person, just thinking of that, we will be, uh, we will go, we will be uh, transferred to that place. You are not so interested in, in this millennial kingdom that you will live. I have such a tremendous interest. Nearly every day I think, oh, what kind of thing I will do in that Millennial Kingdom? What, what will I do? So the first thing, first thing that I want to do in the Millennial Kingdom, I want to do a wrestling with a bear.
<laughs> to whom do will you bet? And I want to uh, do a race with a che cheetah. I want to ride on a, on a tiger. You guys have no interest, right? <laughs> My interest is always on that. So, so you will become this kind of glorious being when you enter into this millennial kingdom. Verse 10. Verse 10 to 13 is a, a reappearing of God choosing Israel once again. Shout and be glad, daughter Zion, for I am coming and I will live among you. So because they will be promised this perfect victory, uh, God is telling them to be joyful. And God has already fulfilled His victory. And if you believe this victory, it is natural for you to be joyful and happy. It's not about your condition, not about your circumstances. Because He guaranteed this perfect victory already to you. Why are you being sad? Why are you worrying? Because you don't believe in this victory. That's the reason why you are worrying. That's why, that's why you are being upset. The one who has this victory will always be able to be joyful. Hallelujah. I have already conquered the world. I have been victorious over the world. This victory is our victory. And I will live among you, declares the Lord. Here, I will live among you. This appears in verse, um, in verse 11 too, right? It will reappear in verse 11. I will live among you. And this continues in many books of the prophets. And when he says, I will live among you, it's a Hebrew word, Shekinah, that, that he will live under, under the tabernacle. I'm not sure whether it's perfect tense or it's, it's, it's an imperfect tense. So he's saying that he will continue this these status of tabernacle to continue. So he dwelled among the Israelites in the, temp, in the tabernacle. It was such a tremendous thing. He was such a fearful God in Mount Sinai that it was only the Moses who was able to go and see him. But he himself came among the Israelites and he dwelled in the tabernacle of David, uh, in, the, in the Israel. So when we hear the word tabernacle, we need to uh, connect this word and relate this word to the fear of the Lord. And the word tabernacle has many relationships and many explanations. But most important thing about this is, is about the worship, the fear of the Lord. When he was among the temple, of the, uh, among the tribe of Israel, the Israelites could not help themselves but to uh, kneel down before him and fear the Lord. And he dwelled in the first temple, the Solomon, Temple of Solomon. And he dwelled in the temple of Zerubbabel. 
he dwells in Temple of Herod for a certain period of time, and he will dwell in the tabernacle in the Millennial Kingdom. But most importantly, he is indwelling in you. And how fearful, just imagine how fearful him dwelling in you. So fundamentally, if you believe that he is indwelling in you, you must have this wonder and fear in you. Meaning of temple, it's just not a simple temple, it's holy of holies in, in the temple. Just as he ruled through Israel uh, in the tabernacle, you need to believe that he is ruling over me inside of me, indwelling in me. So to the saints, to the children of God, our worship must be automatic, it must be natural. Those who do not understand this fear and wonder, you can never worship the Lord. Surely, if you believe that He is indwelling in the tabernacle in us, you must obey and worship the Lord. And there will be time this tabernacle will be completed. This, is, uh, uh, this appears in Revelation 7.15. Uh, God says, uh, open, um, open this tabernacle, and this will be completion of tabernacle. Spiritually, when you're growing, you can speak about many things. In this aspect, your completion of your temple will be your completion of your spirituality. What's the completion of temple? After the, the water bottle, you enter into the temple. There will be the table of the, uh, the cakes. There will be the incense. There will be these veils. And after you pass the veil, there will be the Holy of Holies. Inside of the Holy of Holies, there will be the, the, um, the, what's it called? The, yeah, out of the covenant. Ark of the covenant, yeah. And, uh, and just like that, you will become the being of the new, new covenant. God will make your temple, and in your thoughts, in your mindset, in your spirit, you there will be filled. Uh, God will fill God's word in your in your spirit, in your mindset. So the fullness of God's word, God's truth in you, will be the completion of your temple in you. So the prayer that comes directly up from that incense, it is so powerful that no matter what kind of wind blows, it, the, the, the smoke, the incense will, will never be shaken by the wind. So this is the completion of the temple. So all the corrupted and polluted mindset and the thoughts in your mind, you must purify and cleanse it with the blood every single day, every single moment. And you must refill your mindset with God's word and God's truth. This is the completion of the temple. So this is the image of the glorification that you should accomplish on this earth. So continue to just cleanse it by the blood of Jesus Christ. Cleanse your news. Clean all the information in your mindset. And just uh, solve all the bindings in your intelligence, your emotion, and your will. Just renew your wisdom. 
So when the temple is accomplished, you will be the person who will be moved only by the truth of God. In Amos 3.7, you will be able to become someone who will uh, communicate with God without any secret. And uh, you will become someone who will open the gate of heaven automatically. God is looking for people like this. God is raising these kind of people. Believe this. God is looking for these kind of people. This is God's will. Hallelujah. Let's continue. Verse 11. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. And at the end, all the Gentiles and Jews will be God's people. I will live among you and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. So in the Millennial Kingdom, Jesus will come and rule over us. And now God is ruling over us. And you need to understand how tremendous being you are. And the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. It means that if you um, do not limit God within you, uh, God must be exposed from you. And when God used you and God, God sent you, everyone must know. It must be clear to everyone. In the book of Svania, it says, when you go into the Millennial Kingdom, all the people and the angels must show the honor before you, and you will earn the uh, honor and favor, honor and fame. All the people, you will soon, uh, soon appear this picture of coronation. So, I mean, what kind of thing can we accomplish in this meaningless world? We are the ones who are suited, suitable for this glorious kingdom. So now you need to believe what kind of tremendous being you are. Verse 12. The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. So when this day comes, the, the Lord of Israel is the Lord and everyone will be able to see. We are now his possession. What does this mean? God will take care of us. When our uh, spirituality goes into deeper level, what kind of uh, phenomenon happens? You cannot do anything by your own power, own effort. You don't have to be responsible for anything. It's all responsible by God. In Romans chapter 8, Paul is saying you don't have any debt of your flesh. But in our, in our church, our brothers, you strive, you live, you put all your effort to, to take care of your life, your family. You have to uh, um, feed your children. You are trying to take care of everything. Our, our pastors here, you think, why do I have to take care of my own, own ministry? I, do, I have to take care of um, our church members, my family. No. It's not. It's because you don't believe that God, God possesses you. 
when you first met God, did God uh, ask to uh, live with him or did you ask God to live with you? It was God. In my case, it was God. God was the one who persuaded me to live with him. So I do not take care of anything. I do not have responsibility, uh, responsibility over anything. I have, I have like 10 associate pastors, but I do not take care of them. If I don't have, if our church don't have money, I take, I receive my own salary first. And because we have Pastor Lee now, our, our salaries for the associate pastor have grown too much, grew too much. But I don't, I don't worry about that. Do I have to take care of them? No. God was the one who's, who came, came <laughs> to, to persuade to live with me. Because I told my wife to live with me, so I need to take care of my wife, right? She's becoming more beautiful and beautiful. Her hair is growing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's finish. So, so he will again choose Jerusalem. When? What does this mean? It means that he will restore this royal authority that Jerusalem used to have. So now you need to believe that you also have this royal authority. Do not never ever give this away to your enemies. And God make God that he does not need to use this word that I will choose you again. I will, I was, I was glorious, I am glorious, and I will be glorious as a child of God. Let this glory continues to reveal through you. Amen. Verse 13. Be still before the Lord all mankind. When Jesus is being enthroned, And Jesus will approach and he will teach people. Uh, this is a prophet, uh, prophecy from Micah chapter 4 and Ezekiel chapter 4, 32. And he will, uh, he will arise from his throne and all mankind will kneel down, fall down before him. And And when Jesus arrives to preach, no one can make any noise. Even the birds, there will be no chirping, chirping sounds. All the living creatures will be still. All the angels will be still. Such a magnificent sin, right? Because he has rose himself from his holy dwelling. So Jerusalem is describing, I mean, Zechariah is describing Jerusalem as his holy dwelling. In Chinese um, dwelling place, Chaozhou is, is um, bathroom, so he's making pun.
So anyways, P, P sounds like fart in, in Chinese, so anyways. So, uh, Zechariah is talking about uh, Jerusalem as his dwelling place. And this dwelling place is explaining God's authority and His power uh, without any limit being a uh, flow to, to his, his place. And Paul is calling the church as, as a temple. At the same time, he's calling you as, as God's dwelling place. So if you are, so you, so you have both anointing at the same time. So when the temple, what does that mean? It means it represents God's presence. And you are the ones who live with this holy presence within you. And it must be exposed. It must be shown through you. So when your power is being, being practiced, it means that His holy uh, presence is being um, revealed and exposed from you. So when God's presence is explo exposed, uh, uh, this influence is keeping flowed from you. So dwelling place, what does this mean? It means when a when a king goes out in a war, a dwelling place is a, this is um, a temporal temporal residence resident place that king is staying. It's a death dwelling place. So no matter where you go, everywhere you go, you, these this royal authority, this power must be shown through you. So if you keep continue to live by the Holy Spirit, this authority is keep being revived, resurrected in you. Why is this not being shown through you? Because you lost its function as dwelling place. But when you live by the Holy Spirit, this function will be revived. It will be restored. Hallelujah. Amen. I'll finish. Let's pray only for like five minutes. Father, at this time, Father, uh, let us experience that, that you, your will is so clear toward this end time, toward your remnants, Father. Father, allow such a blessed, glorious time throughout today. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's give applause to glorious God.